to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, the spooky little side street podcast inside the Nightmare on Film Street feed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are joined today with Slack's director, Elza Kephart. And writer. And writer, co-writer, to talk about her her killer pants movie. Yes! (laughs) Oh, I love this movie so, so much. I kind of I I think Killer Pants is really all you need to know. It's a, we're going to talk about it a lot, obviously, in a few minutes from now. But uh, if you haven't heard of Slacks, it's currently available on Shutter in the United States. It's out for VOD el- everywhere else, and it's set inside a fictional, totally not Gap store. Gap store <laughs> slash Apple store, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Finger to the nose, nod. <laughs> It's such a brilliant little movie because you think it's going to be this silly little killer pants movie. And it is. And it is. But. But it's got a huge, we'll call it social commentary. Yeah. On the the, the horrors of, of fast, fast fashion. fashion. Thank you. You taught me that word. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, And just really just corporate junk in general. Yeah. Before we get started, though, Kim, normally I ask you what's keeping you creepy this week, but I think we all know exactly what's keeping us creepy this week. It's April Fool's Day. Okay, it's <laughs> April Fool's Day. Sure, yeah, that's that'll 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 get your the hairs on the back of your neck up, I guess. Yeah, I did just want to say before we do the what's keeping us creepy stuff, though, that we are dropping a second episode today. That's right. So there are two fun episodes for you to listen to so make sure you grab the second one as well because there is bonus nightmare on film street content and this isn't a prank or anything like there's actually a second episode there is actually a second episode (laughs) you can download it right now it's a real episode (laughs) it's not just this episode times two that would have been good that would have been rude though yeah but it's april fools no it's not april rude yeah that's the past that's how you get away with it But as I was saying, I think we all know what's keeping us creepy this week. Fucking Godzilla versus Kong, baby! Yeah, I was super excited for this one. Um, I'm super jealous of anybody who got to see it in a movie theater with their COVID shot or in a drive-in in a more tropical climate. Yep. But, you know, my time will come. I will get to see it at a drive-in, I'm sure. I am sure our drive-ins will, will hold a spot for Godzilla versus Kong. When it's it, the perfect summer movie. Yeah, when it finally gets warm in Canada because, oh boy, was it so much fun yeah we're not gonna spoil it here but you know we just want to we just want to share our thoughts it's great it's amazing please go check it out i'm team godzilla john i'm is, team kong yeah john's total team Kong. not overall i'll say overall we talking like franchises i'm team godzilla i i enjoy way more godzilla movies than i enjoy kong movies this fight in particular though like right before they ding ding i'm throwing money down <laughs> that kong's the man i want to see win Kong's a gorilla. I want to see when. <laughs> Next time we watch this movie, I'm going to picture us riding the other one's backs. Like, <laughs> I'm charging in on Godzilla. That sounds great. You're like, get over here, you hairy monkey. The one thing I was not expecting with this movie is how great the soundtrack was, especially for Kong. 
I'm a little biased, I guess, uh, showing my team colors here, but just the, the music selection around Kong is so brilliant and speaks so much to his personality. Yeah, they made him like a lazy summer stoner. <laughs> you, you said it so perfectly when we were watching this. Like, he's just perpetually in Margaritaville. <laughs> and he scratches his butt. He scratches his butt a lot. <laughs> Love it. Adam Wingard directed the fuck out of this. Like, honestly... Uh, you know, Transformers movies, Avengers movies, they're too, like, they're, they're gigantic break a city down fight sequences are, like, way too busy for me to pay attention to. Like, my, my eyes just get lost in it. But the way he choreographs, I guess, it's all digital animation, Aww. but, like, the way he choreographs, the way he photographs these fight sequences is so, so brilliant. There are, like, a hundred incredible shots in this movie, and I'm I'm so glad it was as good as it was, because I would have been real bummed if it wasn't this fun. I, w- I had my hands in the air for a lot of, the, of oh, this yeah. movie. It was so much fun. But, yeah, like John said, we're not going to spoil it, because it just came out, so you still have tons of time to check it out. But if you want to hear our actual... Full-length thoughts on it, spoilers and all. We will be posting a bonus episode, a drive home from the drive-in, COVID style. We walk from our couch to our desk. Yep. <laughs> uh, reviews and thoughts over at the Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. It's our monthly little membership program where we do watch parties and events and fun stuff like that. Yeah, that episode's going to be available uh, Friday, Saturday. I, did, did we mention that I have two podcasts to edit this week? <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, we're so smart. We're so, 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 so smart. smart. <laughs> we got nothing else that we're working on right now. We don't need sleep. Uh, it, it is a really fun episode. I was, I was happy that we sat down to record it after we finished watching it. Uh, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts on Godzilla vs. Kong. Hit us up on Twitter and whatnot. But uh, as well, this weekend in the Fiend Club, we're going to be watching a whole bunch of Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, I've, I've programmed a little 90-minute block filled with horror cartoons, commercials, the little interstitial bits. It's like you're you're 12 years old again. You woke up before everybody else in the house. You're just eating a bowl of cereal, watching your Saturday morning favorites. Join us at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. It's going to be an absolute blast. We've done this once before, and it's, you know, I love our watch parties. Like, I love goofing and chatting with everybody about my bloody Valentine or humanoids from the deep tours trap was a lot of fun that was fun but oh boy these saturday morning cartoon specials are the best oh we watch. we've started this new tradition where we watch the what is the crypt keeper one called oh no it's like escape from the crypt keepers crypt or something yeah and it's like temple run but with 12 year old kids and spooky mansion shit and they like throw skulls at kids and like knock them off podium it's wonderful it's yeah. great it's a great little late late 90s game show but yeah, that's all going to be happening on Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern in the Fiend Club. And completely free, we're going to be hosting another live room in Clubhouse, that new app that everybody's talking about that you've been hesitating to download because you didn't know if anybody cool was on there. Uh, I think it's still in beta mode, so it's only for iPhones still. But we do a weekly recurring room Sunday mornings called the Damn Fine Cup of Coffee Horror Chat. It's an open room where everybody can just talk about the horror movies they're watching, what's coming up, get recommendations, and basically whatever comes to mind. We always end up telling spooky stories. We were talking about (laughs) Universal 
ha uh, Halloween Horror Nights, tons of fun stuff. And we've had some really cool people hop in the room. That all goes down at 11 a.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. You can look us up on Clubhouse as the Horror Movie Fiend Club, or you can just find John. Oh, not John. Nope. John's, John's on not on there. You can find myself yep. at Kimmy Kill Zombie. John and I both talk on that account on Sundays. Yeah, I, I have an Android phone. It's the one time in my life that I have regretted this purchase. <laughs> <laughs> it's a super fun room though we have a bunch of the writers come in and just a bunch of clubhouse regulars and a few horror creators come in it's always great yeah yeah everybody everybody has an opportunity to talk and share stories last week we were all talking about uh werewolves which was which was a blast i think the first week we did this we, we had the special effects artist who worked on blue velvet telling us about how they made the ear that kyle mclaughlin found <laughs> in the field that was a blast yeah john commandeered the room with ear questions oh yeah i'm <laughs> so happy he put up with me asking him 100 questions about that ear. <laughs> <laughs> but without further ado, here's our interview with Slack's director, Elza Kephart. Ready. Hi there. And you are? Libby. You are here for the new collection turnaround. This is such an important night for us. A lot of people have been very keen to get their eyes on it. Jeans that automatically adapt to your body size. The Super Shapers! I want you to know I will do whatever it takes to make sure things go as scheduled. Oh my god. I'm so, like, totally excited. I could just die. Well, should, should we call the police? We can't. We're in lockdown. What if there's a killer out there? Are you afraid there's a killer out there? Yeah! Get ready. For Slacks. Okay, so we know two things. It loves Bollywood music, and it has a bindi on its forehead. Slacks. Small price to pay for an awesome ass. Hello. Hey there. Hello. Hi. We've we've been really looking forward to talking to you since we went since we saw this back at Fantasia. This movie was a huge surprise. So thank you very much for taking the time. Oh, you bet. No. It's oh, we're like right. we're super fans of this movie. We love it so yeah. much. Oh my god, that's awesome. That's always nice to hear. Just the premise alone, like, oh, killer pants? Well, we got to check that out. And then, holy shit, like, this movie blew us away. We were not expecting the turns this movie takes. This, this movie was incredible. Oh, yeah, you find you a know. great balance of, of fun and, like, having an actual, like, heart and message to the movie, which I don't think a lot of people are going to expect going into it. They're going to be like, oh, killer pants, yeah! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we we saw this originally at at uh, at Fantasia, and we we learned afterward that this is from the Frontiers market. You had originally pitched this uh, as as part of that. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that pitching process? Oh yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I think the thing is, Patricia. So I co-wrote this with uh, my longtime creative partner, Patricia Gomez Latar, and we're sort of introverted nerds. So trying to like pitch at parties <laughs> and get people to listen is really not our forte. And so the the fact that Frontiers has this really clearly delineated uh, market where you can pitch and people have to listen to you no matter if you're sort of like a shy introvert was great. So the other thing that was really a good timing is that we had been accepted to the Torino uh, film uh, series lab, which is um, 
like a development, a crash course in developing and pitching TV series ideas. And uh, we had to pitch at a market and they really prepared us super well for it. So we took those skills literally like four months before that we learned to the Frontiers pitch presentation for Slacks. And so I think because we had learned all that, we were really ready. And, I, and, and not, I'm not going to say this to be cocky, but I think we really took people by surprise because they weren't expecting it to be so well put together and, and professional. Um, so, and that's when Anne-Marie Angelina, our other producer came on board because she was like, wait a minute, I have to make this film. This is awesome. So for the Frontiers market has been really instrumental in getting uh, us to, to get Slacks put together. What was the, like the first impressions like? Was it hard to pitch people on like evil pants or like how did, how did you present the product? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was always super easy when when we said because we'd been working on the idea of slacks for a long time, but we never had had really clinched the social uh, message before our third draft. Uh, and so people were just loved the concept and we'd created the poster a long time ago, actually, which is still the poster we, we use or the, the most of the elements. So the, the concept was great. But then when we were like, so what's it about? And we would tell people and they're like, oh, that's cool. Well, maybe it could be a short. And we're like, no, it's a feature. We know it's a feature. And so it took a while for the script to be ready to match what the concept was that got people really excited. That was the, the biggest screenwriting challenge, I would say. And was this, uh, is this something inspired by your own retail experience? Like, did you spend much time working in retail? <laughs> I didn't, but Patricia did. She worked two years at the Gap. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I was actually uh, in a previous life. I was a, a like a merch manager at Gap, and so like oh, wow. that entire employee culture thing. Like you guys nailed it so well, even down to like the scenes when they're in the back room and there's like the yellow lines on the ground. I was just like, oh, I remember those. <laughs> well, that was. We shot in an, in an abandoned store, in a disaffected uh, clothing store. So that was actually, I didn't even know that existed. That was already <laughs> just there. She, yeah, she would tell me all about the gap and the managers and this and that. And then I'd never worked retail, but I worked as a temp. Uh, I did reception during college and after college for a couple of years, totally getting into the film industry. And just that like corporate culture. Of yes. having to answer the phone and say your name or not say your name, how you, you how you talk and how you had to be dressed. I, I vaguely experienced some of that and it just horrified me so much <laughs> that I really ingested everything along with Patricia's experience. Yeah, the retail culture is so, it's so weird. Even down to like the language and the lingo and they make up words and all that. Like, yeah. it's so ripe for a horror movie. I'm so glad somebody has finally like captured retail <laughs> culture because it is like a cult. It's a cult. Yeah. 100% cult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and the, I mean, some of the terminology like ecosystem came from, it's, it's a business term and I hate those words so much. So <laughs> I, I, it's not a retail term, but I had to like sneak it in there and I would take notes of really horrifying, uh, disgusting business corporate terms. And then I had to like shove it all in there in the Craig character. It was, he was such a joy to write. <laughs> <laughs> You really nailed too, like all the different people that you see in the retail sphere. Like oh you have the the really green character who just like who loved the brand and was always wearing the clothes and now gets like a peek behind the curtain and she's so just starry eyed to it. And then the, the manager with all the jargon and then the people that are clearly there for the employee discount. Yeah. <laughs> you have everybody, the full facet. <laughs> and Patricia's sort of like the Shruti character. 
that's uh she's sort of like the disgruntled disaffected employee who people keep around because she's just really good at what she does <laughs> yeah, you just just don't bug her just you leave should, her alone she'll fold yeah. all the shirts yeah. just leave her alone for an hour yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly her <laughs> yeah the the cult atmosphere of this is so bizarre like you could really put this against like a dramatization of like the manson family or the other lamb like literally any cult movie it's it's so nuts how it just looks yeah. like something that people have been brainwashed into and it's not really that much of an exaggeration <laughs> it's not i mean it's totally not an exaggeration when you go to the apple store just the vibe of walking in there and it's built like like i really wanted the set to look like a temple to feel like you're walking into this like holy sphere and it's all every all the stores are are designed with specific um reasons to make you want to purchase and the clothing and the lingo it is like a cult it's like because i think corporations are the new religion and consumerism is sort of the new religion of the 20 20th and 21st century and it's totally like religion has brainwashed a lot of people um, except it's really destroying the planet so maybe a little touch above just ordinary religion that just gets people to kill each other <laughs> well there's a great message too and i don't think it's it's been touched in film before the the entire world of fast fashion and just how one environmentally and exploitative it is and just mm -hmm. how it's completely washed over with this corporate branding and it complete like a yeah. hidden secret that that's kind of an open secret. Everybody knows that their clothes are made in like Bangladesh and all over the place and that these people are working mm -hmm. in horrible conditions. And it's so wonderful to see it on screen, to see it mm. in, in, in a consumable way. That's not going to turn people off and be like, Oh, well, what am I supposed to do? I can't afford anything, but Walmart clothes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, there is a horror to this, um, it is horrifying when you really look at, I mean, I did a bunch of research and it's, it's horrifying how people are treated. And I think it's horrifying how consumers are treated also, you know, we're like cash dispensers. And the thing is we've been brainwashed to consume more and more. Like we don't need to buy 10 t-shirts. You don't need that. Sure. I, I understand that people can't afford certain things, but you can buy secondhand. There's so many clothes on the planet that if, if the fashion industry stopped tomorrow, there would still be clothes for a whole eternity. They end up in Africa. They literally like people give them away to secondhand stores and secondhand stores have too much of it. And they, they bundle it together. They ship it to, to certain African countries. They ship it to Haiti. And they're like, I don't know. We don't know what to do with this. So they sell the clothes and then their own fashion industry or clothing industry dies off because they're just overwhelmed with all these secondhand clothes and they don't know what to do with them so they put them in landfills because it's not their fault they're they've been saddled with all these clothes so we don't need to make more clothes i know people need to buy clothes i bought a new coat this winter but <laughs> as little as little purchasing as possible i think is what I'd, i think we need the message in slacks i think i'd like people to take away yeah. And it, it kind of ties into to like the kind of social media craze and this, this weird culture we're in where you're only as valuable as the most recent thing you've purchased or being on trend or the last post you've done. Like there's a real yeah. quick turnover to everything and it, and it carries yeah. into our fashion world. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's called fast fashion because it's, it's not a joke that every season is it two three weeks i got that from a, a documentary i saw on fast fashion called the true cost like a lot of the stuff that's in there is not i didn't make it up i wish i had 
the quick turnover is a, a symbol of especially the 21st century. And I think it's it's actually very detrimental to our mental health. Yeah, it's 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 one of the the cruelest moments in your movie. It's such a small little spot where you you you're a new employee at the store. You have to wear clothing that is in season. Uh, and even though you bought this a month ago, it's already like three seasons behind. So like like furthering that sort of cult mentality, like you have to we're going to pay you money to work here, but you have to spend money to look mm. like the people that we're advertising. Like yeah. it's, it's just a feedback loop that is just chewing people up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Patricia told me about that, where she had to buy coat, Gap clothes, and she she just only wears black. And so her manager would be like, "Well, you have to buy new clothes." And she's like, "Why?" You know, she would argue against them, and because she was smart and sort of sassy, they'd leave her alone. But someone who <laughs> doesn't have that gumption, you know, would be taken in by that. Yeah, I, I don't work at Gap anymore. Obviously, I, I went into the horror news world and the amount of clothes I have that are just this other version of me that I don't know what to do with. Like I have all these button downs. I wear horror t-shirts now. Like I don't know what to do with these. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll have to do an interview or something where I have to dress up. You know, now that COVID's happened, sweatpants are in. So. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, th- I really think it's funny that we're, we're talking to you about a, a movie about a pair of killer pants but like we've like the real the real horror of this movie is the industry that it's that it's that it's set in uh, and like yeah. even you were working at the gap when there was uh didn't you guys get a letter in a box like a shipment of clothing it wasn't was just- us it wasn't us but it happened while i was working there where there was like a, a letter from somebody i think it was in like yeah. halloween costumes or something oh, where somebody Chinese person yeah where somebody wrote yeah. about the horrible working conditions and just hoped that yeah. somebody in america would see it it was devastating. It was terrifying. Yeah, so it awful. Was, it was decorations and it was a Chinese employee in a, in a factory. I mean, and like people who work in the Apple factory, I mean, it's not officially Apple. I forget what it's called. Future Max or something. They, the employees kill themselves. Ugh. Like they commit suicide because turnover is so, so brutal. Like <laughs> for an iPhone. I get it. We need it, but we don't. Do you need to get the the new version? That's totally unnecessarily like. And the fact that that it's made that planned obsolescence is accepted. Yes. It's yeah. Criminal. That's yeah. Like they're they're planning it in point one increments yeah. of advancement. Like they already have the tech for the iPhone fourteen, or I don't even know what iPhone we're on now. But they're <laughs> they're only giving you slivers of that tech so that oh. you have to upgrade every two years, which it's is criminal. Like you can't slow down advancement. Well, I guess you can. <laughs> I mean, it's criminal because it mistreats people. It extracts um, rare earth minerals. You know, it exploits the earth. It exploits basically consumption is what's driving us to extinction. So they are literally, I think, corporations are criminals, and they should be tried for crimes against humanity. Yeah, if if Apple think. wasn't so litigious, I'm sure by now we probably would have had a movie where you know, like the iPhone goes crazy because the ghost of a of an employee who is like under horrible working conditions and you know in the sequel to Slacks it. should be like I I Slacks maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's kind of what I was getting at too. I was gonna say like congrats to you for beating everybody to the punch. <laughs> well, the 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 store in Slacks is partly inspired by Apple, so just. So, yeah. you know, so Apple, if you want to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> I do think we should. Small potatoes. 
<laughs> I do think we should spend some time actually talking about the monster in this That's movie. That's probably though. a good we, idea. I know, I know it's <laughs> representative of a, of a bigger element. I'm glad we touched on it, but like we do really love the monster in this movie. And I do want to ask you about some of the puppeteering yes. of the pants because it's fantastic. Yeah, thanks. So, well, I always knew that I wanted it to be practical and live action. There was never a doubt in my mind. Um, and so we found this uh, Montreal company called the Blood Brothers, and they experimented with all sorts of rigs. And then they brought on a fantastic uh, puppeteer who incarnated Kirat. Uh, so it was a combination of her puppeteering skills and then some of the special effects gang who came in like as backup for different kinds of rigs. So we had, they, I think they had 45 pairs of pants. Um, wow. Yeah, because... They needed obviously copies of each pants, but different shots and different um, movements of the pants necessitated different rigs. So if you see it from the front, it's not the same rig as if you see it from the back. It's not the mm. same rig as if it's a close-up. And so they needed, I, I forget how many rigs and like four or five different copies. So it was that slick. And then on the set, I'd, I'd have to like direct the pants. <laughs> <laughs> But not the puppeteer, just the pants, right? No, no, I had to direct the puppeteer, but I had to make an abstraction that it was her behind the pants moving. I had to really focus on the pants and then talk to her. <laughs> it was it was wild, but she was awesome. Like she was so uh, intuitive, and she really infused that character with her skills. So uh, uh, no, it was an amazing, an amazing and str strange, amazingly strange experience. I'm sure you had so much fun though envisioning like all the different methods the pants were going to use in terms of disposing oh, yeah. of the retail employees and there are some yeah. really creative ones in the movie oh, that yeah. I don't want to spoil <laughs> but are there are there any that maybe didn't make it past like the production stages or any that you guys had just like fantasized about that they were too crazy to do via pant death <laughs> well we actually yeah we had one in a previous draft where it was set in the set in the 80s and the, the pants were going to have like denim uh, not denim, um, rhinestones stitched into the yes. side. <laughs> so the pants were going to flay someone to death. <laughs> Definitely but would that, have had to do that in the 80s. <laughs> no, and then we said it in the present and we we're like, oh, there's no, sadly, no use for rhinestones. But it, before, that's a nice, uh, maybe a fun tidbit. Um, instead of the, at first, there was supposed to be a heart in the back pocket that was okay. going to be like its signature a symbol and then we decided to change it to the the super shapers logo so there were we were still trying to sneak in the rhinestones at that point and <laughs> it, it was going to be the rhinestones that were going to change color not the super shapers logo Ooh. and then we yeah it was going to be super fun but we realized that it didn't really it didn't really work to have this cheesy rhinestone heart on like a 21st century pair of pants so we <laughs> changed it and it's for the best but yeah we were trying, still trying to sneak in our rhinestones, our love for rhinestones. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, um, maybe it, the prequel. <laughs> oh, a prequel would be great. Because I mean, hey, this court, like, corporations are like th their biggest strength is pushed putting stuff under the rug. Of course, this has already happened. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. Uh, you, like, I'm sure trying to puppet and direct all of this stuff was was a challenge. What was the most challenging movement to do with the pants? Oh, I think when the um, influencer gets. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was that took, and I at first I wanted to do it in one take, and then in the end, because her speech was too long, we had to chop it up in editing. But we, ha I think we did thirteen takes. Wow. Oh wow, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, it was such a long speech and then the movement was so so precise and you needed to not touch her coat and not do this and not do that but um in the end in the end it it worked but that was definitely the, the because the other ones had to were done in di with different angles you know there was some like lord's death was very time consuming mm. but it wasn't as difficult a movement to to choreograph as that one it's also a really great moment too, because it's the first time that the pants reveal themselves to like the general public in the store. Yeah. Prior to that, they're sneaking around and doing these secretive things, but there's something really wonderful when the monster comes out and is just like, hey, I'm here because you're like, oh, how powerful is this pair of pants? <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely the like slasher reveal moment where the slash, where people realize there's a slasher and you sort of understand part of why it's doing what it's doing. Um, so that had to be a really, like a really powerful moment. It's really great. And just like how, how scary those pants are. And they, like they do some silly things, but they're still terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah. Like there's, I think it's well, one of the first times that you see the pants, like that it has like a personality, like it looks at people and, and it's, it's got like, like a face. <laughs> like, these yeah. fucking pants blink. They have teeth on the inside, like at the tags and stuff. I love it. <laughs> Oh yeah, we wanted it to be, I mean, we practiced with pants to, to just figure out like what the funniest movements would be. And then when we came to actually, we the pants that we used were made by a, a Montreal company that makes ethical fashion. <laughs> so right it's for for real called Naked and Famous. You can check it out if you don't, um, if you want to make sure for yourself. So we had to choose from their their lines and so we had to we found the one with the creepiest pockets where they <laughs> eyes not just when you turn it around but you know when they're standing there's mm. these tiny little pockets and when when someone put them on you're we like ah these are so creepy these have to go with these ones because it, it, it just looks so menacing there's also like such a really interesting, uh, there's a little interesting quirk that you have with the pants that is so ingenious. And I would never have guessed in a million years that it's it's uh, something they would have done. I think it's totally in line with the story, but the fact that they like lap up blood and they, they, they drink the blood of the people that they kill is so great. Where did that idea come from? Well, we knew it had to absorb the blood because it's, it's sort of, that's how it gains its strength. And at first it wasn't really going to be lapping it up like an animal, but the SFX guys were like, how about this? And they showed us this, this move of the lapping. And I was like, Ew, gross. <laughs> I want to feel like a weird animal, mm. animal or insect. That's the, the guidance I gave them. So we looked at like inchworms. We looked at, uh, I forget what other weird stuff we looked like snakes. Um, and so it was sort of in keeping with what I had in mind to, to really infuse it with an organic sensibility. Oh yeah, I could have I could have watched CCTV footage of those pants just like sliding around. Oh, around the, the little hallway, slinking. Like, <laughs> yes. Like you could have shot it all with those CCTV cameras. I would have loved it. <laughs> we, to, we worked hard on that slithering. That was hard to get right. It was really, there was uh, three people activating it to wow. for the slithering and they had to really be coordinated and it took a long time to, to rehearse, but it, it looks, I, if I got creeped out, I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> that's always a good indicator. And like the, the other thing too that you do that's really genius about like talking about how they're sort of animals or they're, they're beasts, but you, you do a, a great job in the third act of the movie of like really humanizing the pants by having them sort of attach themselves to a mannequin. That was brilliant. Oh. 
Oh yeah, that was uh, actually that came from Patricia's uh, a friend of mine and Patricia and I one day were just brainstorming because he loved slacks and he was like, "Why aren't you ma making slacks?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know what to do with it." And so we just brainstormed about random stuff. And he was like, "A mannequin." And then Patricia was like, "Oh, it's got to put a blood bindi on its forehead." I was like, "Yes." So <laughs> I think that was the challenge. Was always the third act, like after it kills people, where do you go from there? And then when we found the real heart of it, that's when the, the script really came together. And we knew that. We had to make people feel for Kirat in some way. We had to bring her to life, even for a short amount of time, so people could identify with her. Yeah, it's the first the time you thing. see the pants as more than just this evil pair of pants. Like having actually this this blank face to look at, mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, the pants are only part of the entity. Mm -hmm, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I find mannequins super creepy, but I think they are super creepy. <laughs> In this in, in this um, in this scene, it actually did work to to humanize, and that's why we had her put the the bindi because we mm -hmm. wanted to have some sort of uh, of link between who she was in the beginning and who she ended up being. Yeah, it's great that the characterizations of the the pants are um, kind of bleed through even in the the like the killer revenge vengeance mode. Even some of the dancing and stuff like there's some great personality that leaks through mm. that isn't just solely about murder and revenge. <laughs> no, no. Otherwise, I think that would have been too one note. You know, like in order for us to feel for this girl, we had to show some of her personality traits. This rewatch also came along uh, at a at a really great time for us because like we we saw this originally back at at Fantasia in September, but since then we've we've watched a handful of like Bollywood horror and Bollywood genre films, and I think that's just becoming like a new like obsession of ours. And I was I was curious if like you had any good recommendations of Bollywood films. I've never I haven't seen Bollywood horror yet. No, that's not true. I've seen one called um, Oh my God, I don't remember I don't remember the name. It's like Nar Nargina or something. It's about a woman who is it becomes a snake. Ooh. Yeah, it's an old-fashioned Bollywood movie from the 60s. So she's either it's a snake that becomes a woman or vice versa. And so I watched that and I listened to the music a lot for, for inspiration. That's a good one. Awesome. We what was the one we watched recently? It's like the I don't know if it's a loose re remake or if it's a direct copy of the the original Nightmare on Elm Street done in Bollywood style. And there's so many fun like musical numbers in in and around like <gasps> this dream demon killing all these teenagers. But they stop to go to the beach and <laughs> and they have like a whole five minute sing along about their picnic. And it's just it's lovely. <laughs> oh wow! I totally want to watch that. Is it called Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, uh, it's like the English translation is the monster. I think it's Mahakel. It's directed by the Ramsey brothers, who apparently uh, did a lot of different uh, like B movie Bollywood horror stuff. Yeah, there's like a an '80s Michael Jackson like caricature character yeah. throughout the movie, and he's oh. doing like Michael Jackson moves, and he has a whole singing like it's it's just wild. It's wonderful. The whole, yeah, the movie makes a lot of weird choices. <laughs> As it should, if you're remaking uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Bollywood style. Yeah, and like 11 years later too, I think. It's like mid-90s. <laughs> but they're like, oh, we're bringing it to the uh, to our shores. It's great though. Like, really there's some really great horror effects. And in true fashion though, like the, the singing and dancing is just on point. Okay, I'm going to check it out for sure. <laughs> Have you have you had a chance to see many of the like I I it's always an odd question to ask people um especially with films because like 
I don't know if I made a movie and put it at the festival, I might not read reviews, <laughs> you know, like I might just avoid it, but like, have you, I, I, I guess I'm curious if, if most people are having the same reaction we've had where it's like, Oh, I can't wait to watch this, this fun, silly movie about a killer pair of pants. And it's just like, Oh shit, this movie has something to say. Like, that's what I'm really excited to see on social media. And I'm curious if you've seen the same with other people that are watching it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really like reading reviews either, but the, I did for, especially for the ones that came out in Quebec, because I was really curious, you know, what the hometown crowd would say. And they were really surprised and really positive. And I read a couple of reviews where they didn't quite get that it was, it had a social commentary. And I was like, <laughs> but most people, and some, some were like, oh, there's not enough gore. Those were maybe the more downsides, but in general, all the interviews I've been doing and the reviews have been really positive. And I think that's sort of the secret is that it sounds so ludicrous. You sort of have to watch it and then you're like lured into this world. So no, I'm so, so happy that it's had such a good response because I've been, Patricia and I have been working on Slacks for like 20 years. Oh, wow. That's great though. Well, we, we first came up with the idea 20 years ago and then we weren't like actively working on it for 20 yeah. years, but it's been in our minds for 20 years. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I'm so happy you guys finally got to put this out on the screen. But it's yeah. good timing though, because fast fashion is at its height. So like, I mean, yeah. it came out at the right time. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I hope that's what people take away that this is insane and we have to be more responsible with our purchasing. Were there any other horror movies or creatures that you guys use for inspiration or the movies that you guys watched while you were getting this made that help inspire your, uh, your slacks? Um, not really. Um, I really love, like in general, the Italian aesthetic from the 60s, late 60s and early 70s. Not just Dario Argento, of course, he's a classic, but uh, Antonioni and Bertolucci and Pasolini and all that. So I think that like high, that sort of the combination of like super bright, super colorful, yet and and you know with some pretty striking visual imagery, rather than just lots of blood and gore and nonstop uh, like nonstop cutting, was has always been my inspiration. And so I don't, I didn't roll do it on purpose but I would say in the back of my mind that's what just inspires my aesthetic in general and then the reading like film uh, books like 1984 and A Brave New World which really criticize our uh, and Fahrenheit 451 which criticize our modern society but they did it ages ago is is what's inspired the um, the social commentary aspect of the of the script yeah it's 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 interesting to hear you mention those books too because I think they they approach something that is like super serious and needs to be talked about in the same way that you you approach your film Slacks here too because it's it's oh it's a genre story it's gonna be interesting or fun and then all of a sudden you're like oh shit like I'm 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 completely taken by surprise with with what this mm -hmm. movie has to offer and I think that was such a great approach and I, I can't wait for people to discover it that way sorry I'm just really excited for people to see this movie it's so good. <laughs> Awesome. We always feel that way when we see a movie at a festival and then we know we have to wait like a year before our audience can see it. So we're just like, I can't oh. wait for you to see the Evil Pants movie. <laughs> really, it really, it's been a, a crazy road to get it made. And then COVID, like oh, yeah. go to festivals. We, all our festival hopes and dreams are sort of dashed. So it's really, I'm really excited to be doing interviews now during, during the Shutter release um, to actually talk to people about slacks. <laughs> And it's so exciting that you guys are going on Shutter because I think that's going to be such a great audience for the film. Oh, they yeah. 
it's so up Shutter's alley. Like it's going to be so great for the movie. Yeah, no, we're really, we're really thrilled to have it on Shutter for sure. And you're you're talking to us from Morocco right now. Are you over there working on a new movie? Is or is it just for a fun <laughs> vacation? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I wish I was like jet setting. No, um, <laughs> no. It's to be with my boyfriend who's Moroccan. Oh, right on. That's yeah. nice. Have yeah, you two yeah. have you two mostly been separated during the whole COVID thing, like the last year? Well, we were together a few years ago, and then we realized it was really hard um, to make it work. Um, and then we reconnected actually during COVID, and because we couldn't meet we just spent like months and months talking and then i was like you know what let's let's try this again and uh, this time in person and uh, as soon as i could i hopped over and then i'm here to see like how we're gonna make it work in the long in the long term because we um, should have been asking you questions oh, about this for the last that's hour so fun. <laughs> <laughs> but i am gonna make a little film with with him um, i'm gonna make like an experimental film and and abandoned there's a, a lot of uh, amazing abandoned places and especially in southern morocco where he's from and it's um they believe in the culture in a berber culture that if a, a place is abandoned for 40 days then a djinn can take over so I'm, oh. I'm like going on that idea that a djinn you know like a point of view of a djinn in, of all these different um these different abandoned places that i haven't quite came up with what it's going to be about yet but he's going to be the voice of the djinn and speaking uh Tamazirt, which is the Berber, what we call Berber, but they're actually called the Imaziran native people of Morocco. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, we don't have enough gin movies. Yeah. <laughs> not enough gin movies. And not enough Morocco movies. <laughs> oh, it's so and like it's weird because I've some of my favorite movies have been shot here, like uh, Last Temptation of Christ and oh, wow. Pasolini's films, Kingdom of Heaven. I love sword and sandal epics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's random. It's my guilty pleasure, and uh, and to be here and to like see where all those films were shot, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> film nerd heaven. This sounds like the perfect time to ask this question, uh, and I completely forgot to give you a heads up about this, but we we like to ask everybody that we have on the podcast what your dream double feature would be at the drive-in. If you, if you could play any two movies, what would you play? And it's totally oh. guilty pleasure. You don't have you don't have to pick two that go great together. Just whatever two movies you'd love to see back to back. Oh man, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, well, one of my favorite movies that I don't think is has been gotten out there enough is uh, uh, *Ravenous*. I don't know if you know that one. Yeah, I love *Ravenous*. Um, and then I, I guess it would be the two creepiest movies I've ever seen would be *Ravenous* and *Zodiac*. Oh ooh. wow! Because <laughs> it's the only two films where I've literally had to stop halfway through because I was so disturbed. So. That's a really random double feature. But. No, that's great. We we watched Ravenous for the first time recently, actually. Uh, oh, during yeah. our yeah, during our Women in Horror Month. Yeah, that was that was a fun first watch. Yeah, oh, well, it's such I a fun Ravenous. setting for cannibal kind of feature because you don't normally get folk horror that combines with cannibalism. Like it's really wonderful. <laughs> and I think it speaks also to like in a weird way. I, I was thinking about this recently to consumption because it was the westward expansion, right? That was consuming. North America. And so I think it was, it's a great uh, sim symbol or analogy for that too. And just Zodiac because it's so awesome and disturbing. Yeah. yeah Super quite, creepy. There's like, there's a really disturbing like sequence of that movie. But the part that gets me the most is when he goes down to that basement with the theater owner and like you can oh! hear somebody walking around upstairs. Like it's a living nightmare. And I just, I sweat yeah. thinking about it. 
And well, oh, I think it's just too because it's never been solved. So like all these characters are suspects. So like you're just like, is he? Did he do it? <laughs> yeah, it's an extremely disturbing, disturbing film. And yeah, so if you want a disturbing double feature, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. I I, uh, I don't know if I would watch Slacks before those two movies or afterward because Slacks will definitely pick you up, but it still has those dark tones that both of those <laughs> movies are playing with. Actually, we used it as a palate cleanser after we watched the uh, the Mia Farrow and Woody Allen uh, oh. documentary. It was just like, okay, this, we need we need oh. something that's gonna make us like put a smile on our face. We have to watch Slacks. <laughs> oh, creepy! Ooh, I don't know if I want it. Well, I think I would like to see it because I like anything that's sort of disturbing. But ooh. it's very dark. Well, thank you, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. This was a blast. My pleasure. My pleasure. Slacks is available now on Shudder in the United States and on VOD everywhere else. Let us know what you thought of the film over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast and in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. Join us in the Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash fiend club. For only a few dollars a month, you will get access to all of our fun events our, in the spooky speakeasy, our watch parties, and bonus episodes like the Godzilla vs. Kong episode dropping soon. But until next time, uh, and if you listen to the second episode in a couple minutes, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.